come. Let us pray. In you we live and move and have our being. You have created us. We are thoughts of yours, made flesh. You dwell among us and live within us. You have given us good work to do and good people to love. You are present in this place and Lord of our future. Into your keeping we commit ourselves, body, mind, and spirit, and pray that your perfect will be done and your healing light shine. Guide us and guard us and grant us your blessing now and forever and forever. Amen. I want to tell you about a carrot, a proper carrot, a prize carrot, a premium carrot, a prideful carrot, who traced its family ancestry. They came over in the hold of the Mayflower, packed lovingly in English sand. There is a rumor in the family which can no longer be documented by, his, by history that their particular strain of carrots was found in the salad served at the Last Supper. <laughs> this particular carrot was raised by parents and grandparents to stand tall in the knowledge of all carrothood and in particular of that exquisite strain of carrots represented by this one of whom I am speaking. It was a conceit of the family that even the value of diamonds was judged in terms of their approximation to carrots. They were willing, barely willing to be displayed on salad bars, but they regarded everything else there as nothing but a bunch of dumb vegetables. This particular carrot was invited to a place called Geneva Point Center on Moultonboro Neck Road when someone sneaked up from behind and pushed it over the edge into a pot of boiling water. And the little carrot thought, I think I'm going to die, but I shall do it in the knowledge that I am than whatever it is with whom I share a common fate. And in this unpleasant and unaccustomed circumstance, pieces of dumb vegetables began to float by. Potatoes and turnips and cabbages and odd-looking things called bay leaves and pieces of dead cow. You Was such an enormous predicament ever known before in the history of the world? What made this circumstance a bit more galling is that the other pieces of foreign matter seemed to be smiling, seemed to be 
reaching out to the carrot. The carrot wanted to believe that this was only so many collisions by the laws of physics and thermodynamics, but these other dumb vegetables seem to be coming up with words of greeting. My narrative allows for the passing of some time, some 24 or 48 or 72 hours, and there is perceptibly an alteration and the acceptance of circumstances on the part of the proud carrot. It has lost its crunch. It is allowing itself somehow, at least a little bit, on the surface to take into itself some of the flavoring of the other matter do. But it has a kind of self-satisfied feeling that never before has a piece of dead cow begun to taste like a carrot, and that is all to the meat's good. <laughs> Having entered an unwelcome experience with the pronouns I, me, mine in the forefront, it discovers more that it is willing to speak of we. It is beginning to think of the stew as a something of which it is one necessary part, but it is willing in an uncommon manifestation of graciousness to believe that everything else in the stew is somehow flavoring its own life. And all that initial and anxiety and hostility has disappeared. There is a phenomenon called jet lag, which occurs when you cross many time zones in an airplane in a short in the world on Air Force Two. It was Washington time. He never adjusted his clock in order somehow to be at home in another place. He brought everything and everyone that he met into his American time framework. And he did business from 9 in the morning till 5 p.m. American time, no matter whether the moon and the stars were out and the people who were having conferences with him were enormously inconvenienced by meeting the American Secretary of State in what they thought, quite properly, was the middle of the night. We come to Winnie CFO with a very strong sense of our own time, the rhythm of our life at home. And what we are learning to do in the course of this week is to surrender ourselves to the reality of God's time, which is quite other than our own time. And all of us, whether we have been here for many years or are here for the first time, are still on back time. 
Now, I live in the Eastern Time Zone. I haven't done anything here with this device, but I have not made the translation to the eternity that surrounds us, but give us all some number of days and we shall do it. Lucille last night shared with us a basic CFO conviction that a divine plan is up in our individual lives that has brought us together this week. I can't say that I know that I believe that. I would like to believe it, and it's such a fascinating idea that it won't let me go. It's one of these things that you don't necessarily embrace 100%, but you find it rather appealing and attractive and beautiful, and you sort of set it out as a, as a, a something interesting to contemplate, and you would love to have the confirmation that is true. The largest supermarket near my home is called a Super Stop and Shop. And on the average business days, there are about this number of people who are shopping there. And we all have a sense of our own fungers, which will be satisfied by whatever it is that is offered there. We may occasionally recognize friends uh, in that most delightful and least expensive of human activities, people watching. It is a delightful place to be. But there isn't really anything that we all have in common all at once. We're here and then we're soon gone. We're in a line. Uh, the third person ahead of us is putting out eggs and butter and cheese and sour cream and lots of meat, and we think, aha, heart attack city. <laughs> the next person closest to us has put out 16 bags of cheese curls and a peach. Aha. Junk food city and thing to solve the conscience. <laughs> the person next to us has 20 cartons of cat food and a tomato. <laughs> do they not shop very often for their cat? Or do they have 30 10-pound cats at home? <laughs> or maybe even one 300-pound cat? It isn't oblivious to these other people, but rather that our meeting is a chance meeting. A little farther away from my house, on the other side of the street, in the mall, is a collection of six motion picture theaters. And we might imagine that just exactly this number of people have appeared for the first show of the day of Naked Gun Two and a Half, colon, The Smell of Fear. <laughs> How is it that we all happen to be there? 
We've read reviews of the movie. Someone has told us about it. We've seen the previous movies. We've seen the television series. It was a title that caught our fancy. Actually, we went to see another movie, but we didn't notice the sign over the door, and we blundered into that cinema and sat down. The air conditioning in our apartment didn't work. There are all kinds of reasons that we are there. And some people are laughing their heads off, falling off their chairs, and other people are sitting there and saying, this is the most moronic, prepubescent movie I have ever seen. We have come together in the dark. In the dark, we share a something common visually. We get up and leave in the dark and see the other people who are leaving at the same time. Our affirmation about the camp farthest out is that unlike the shopping mall experiences, the store and the theater, that somehow the great choreographer has appointed us here. Now, we may say, no, I decided to be here. Or we may say, some well-intentioned relative of ours dragged us here, but it was of human choosing. And the affirmation which is made in the history of our CFO, which Lucille shared with us again last night, is it might seem that way, but there's a something far more mysterious going on that brings us together. I want to observe that this is Sunday because the new people at camp, thinking that they have come into an intensely Christian experience, and they have, why is it on the Lord's Day that these people don't seem to have some sort of formal service? Well, truth to tell, we come from a grand variety of religious circumstances. We have the high church people with their liturgy, and they love that. Uh, we have the Quakers in their hour of silence. We have the people in the joyfully noisy congregations that clap their hands and raise their hands and sing hallelujah and amen. And then we have the people who have anything better to do than sing three hymns, a responsive reading, a scripture lesson, a collection, and a sermon. We're from all over the place. And it would not be possible for us to know how to satisfy all the diverse expectations of this group. My understanding of what the Lord's Day is, that it is the day set aside that to do from beginning to the end of the day is for the praise and glory of God. And I offer to you as Exhibit A what it is we do today and tomorrow, and the next day, and the next day. We have eight or nine Sundays in a row at Winnie CFO. I want to talk about our CFO program in the context of its history. We owe our being to the Spirit of God at work in the mind of English professor, but it isn't so much his major occupation, but rather the small change that he picked up also by being a coach. He was a football coach and a track coach as well. 
and he took his football teams to training camp in August. And probably we know people who are at this present time in serious drill for the fall football season. And they're going to put on helmets this morning and they're going to collapse for lunch and go at it later in the day. And then maybe this evening the coach is going to get them together and show them new plays and repeat videos and films of the previous season. And it's going to be very intense and it's going on for several weeks. And the first CFO lasted for three weeks and it was for athletes, athletes of the spirit. And that's why it was called a camp, and that is why it is still called. For all kinds of practical reasons, camps are no longer that length anymore. We are the longest. Most camps are only six nights, and then five nights, and then seven nights in order of likely length, and we are the longest. With regard to our stew, then, we don't have to boil the daylights out of you in order to get everything done after five nights. We can afford to turn the heat down a bit and let you simmer a bit. <laughs> we are sometimes accused of being idolatrous about the name of the man who brought us into being and there is nothing that he would hate more than that we make him an idol, but I want to say his name because he is one of the two greatest men I have ever known, and so I say this as a personal testimony. His name was Glenn Clark. We used the schedule that he thought up, not out of idolatry, but because it works, because it hangs together. And I want to go through parts of it and I'll allow myself to be interrupted a couple of times so that other people can share in this presentation. What we ask you to do is to try everything, but if you camp very tired or you have come to camp under some sort of duress, you're sort of a, a prisoner under house arrest here, then don't try everything. That's all right, too, or almost all right. It's right enough for you. But if you're here because you want to be here, then try everything. A unit of a 24-hour day, if you missed meditation this morning, but you can attach tomorrow morning's meditation onto your 24 hours, and it will be a package. See what a whole day is like and promise yourself that with a little bit of editing, a little bit of free time that you want to take for yourself, that you continue to be a part of almost everything. What is meditation all about? Um, meditation is a kind of a love affair with God and just human analogy, um, when we're with someone we love, we can say, I love you, and we can reach out and touch and prove our loves physically. Um, God isn't really that handy, but we can enjoy 
the presence of God. We can find joy in the presence of God. We can get the outer world still, but this can be a jumble. And we can go into a meditation experience and say, I'm going to think about God and nothing more than God for 30 minutes. And somewhere between 90 and 210 seconds later, our minds have gone off somewhere else. Many people prefer the spoken meditation over the edge of the hill because it's outdoors, because there's the lake, the mountains, the trees, um, the birds, the whatever, and because there are spoken words that bring us back to the center of what it is we set out to do, to have God in the forefront of our mind. Other people come in here just for the silence, and I pray for them that in the inevitable wandering of minds that they will come back again and again to the Lord. With regard to the talks, O is a movement of, for, and by lay people. That is, anybody who isn't an ordained clergy person. All the original CFO leaders were lay people, except for one, and he was not a parish minister, but a missionary. And it's all right for ministers to be involved in CFO. We are here on sufferance as long as we don't sound too much like ministers too much of the time. I've been a CFO or much longer than I have been a minister, and I've been hearing all these wonderful things, and I've been trying to discover is there some way to make these work in my life? Many trials, many errors, some number of successes later, I stand here, Lucille stands here, as witnesses to what it is that God has done in us. Theology is enormously important. Doctrine is enormously important. Uh, a grasp of church history, the proper tools by which to read and understand and interpret the Bible. Tremendously important. And you have 51 other weeks of the year to tend to all of those. Those are not the work of CFO. With regard to the talks, almost anything that we say may be wrong. Forgive us. If you can think of a nice way, tell us so. <laughs> Just don't be nasty. We have fragile egos. <laughs> there are some things that we will say that will puzzle you, and either you can dismiss them entirely or as I say, park some things just kind of up out of say, maybe I'll get back to that some day. There will be things that will be indigestible and you will chew on them for a while. And when no one is looking, you will spit them out because they are not nourishment for you. And I hope that someone has taught you to say a prayer of protection whenever you go into any experience, but especially when you go into an experience that has to do with, and you say, Lord, 
I am open to everything that is good that can come to me in this week. But I don't know that I have the wisdom or the discernment to notice that which is less than good, which might in some unintentional way cast a shadow over my life. So you be my protector and you allow me to receive what is good and you stand at the doorway of my consciousness, allow anything to rest upon me that is not a truth that leads to my upbuilding. That is a prayer of protection. Rhythms. I have spent most of my life being an enormously sedentary uh, creature. And um, if anyone ever flunked childhood and adolescence, I am he. I could not run, jump, bat, throw, catch, whatever. And I perhaps defensively lived out that old prejudice. I'd call it a Protestant prejudice, a Puritan <coughs> prejudice, but I think it's found in the rest of the Christian household of faith as well. The prejudice that we've got a beautiful spirit, but it's trapped in a bad body and we kind of have to drag our body along for some number of years and then hallelujah we can step out of it and go on to glory. And it was the genius of the early CFO movement to say baloney, nuts to that. God created your body. Allow it to be filled with life and praise. Pray with your <coughs> whole body not just with your mind, not just with your spirit. Think of King David, the psalmist, strumming away on his strumming device, singing songs, and then dropping the harp on the ground and getting up and leaping and dancing and being filled with the love of God. That's what rhythms is all about. Now, there are no scouts from the New York City Ballet here. <laughs> you are not about to become famous in the world of motion and dance. And indeed, you continue to look as an enormously ungainly person in the eyes of the unloving beholder. But what you discover is that you have become very beautiful and free and it feels wonderful to you and you like doing that. I went to a California camp last year and they had two rhythms leaders, a female person and a male person. And that just blew my mind and I thought, I've never seen a man being a... And that's my one and only contribution to Winnie CFO this year, I brought back the idea that we should have one of each, and in the Ray Hills we do. Creatives has to do with allowing, maybe what it is is an internal reservoir of creativity, something that's always been in there but somehow dammed up to bring break or maybe we're really convinced that whatever it is that we're given does not originate in us, that has been given from beyond us, and we can then 
write, we can paint, we can um, work with pastels, finger paints, whatever, uh, we can sing, and we were sure we could not do, have done any of those things. The first year that pastels uh, were offered, maybe three years ago, four years ago, something like that, I went over, got my paper and material in the barn, went out, sat outside the barn, sat on a picnic table facing the barn, and with pastels I began to draw a building that basically looked like this. It was brown, it had big red doors, it had lanterns hanging on either side of the big red doors. It had a door here and a door here, and then there was a little annex building over there. Um, the building dark brown, the doors were bright red. I put a few trees behind, and I admit that somewhat curiously, my trees came out looking like palm trees, but um, first one person came over and <clears throat> looked at it and said, what is that? A few minutes later, someone came over and said, is that something you remember from back home? third person came over and said, oh, you're doing some sort of creative dreaming. And I wanted to say, since the worldly part of me was still awake in me on a Sunday morning, no, you dummies, that's the barn. <laughs> what we do in creatives will not hang in the Museum of Modern Art. What we do in creatives will not lead contract with Harper and Rowe. What we do in creatives will not lead us into the Metropolitan Opera Chorus, likely. What we find in creatives is a great and deep satisfaction for ourselves. The wonderful sense that the creature and the creator which were once upon a time as close as a something that was coming into being inside a womb have come back together again. I would like to ask these people to stand, <clears throat> Joel Hayden, David Hodges, Elizabeth Gillespie, Evelyn Spencer, and Donna Kennison. Okay. Joel does creative singing, and Donna does pastels, and Evelyn Spencer drama, and David Hodges does writing. Okay. Oh, I see. Um, is Elizabeth up there? Okay, finger painting, all right. Thank you, friends, bless you. I wanted you to be known. I will speak of other parts of the CFO program, perhaps in some more detail uh, tonight. I want to mention the importance of rest. Um, CFO lived at its fullest is more demanding than what we do at home. It is more tiring, especially because of the novelty of it. 
I know some people don't ever, ever, ever take naps, and that's sort of almost a matter of pride. Naps are for little children and weaklings. But <laughs> those are certified nappers, and I am every day of my life when I can manage it. Amen. Amen. Uh, praise God for that pause that refreshes after lunch. And then what is called recreation, or what we Christian people probably ought to recreation, is an occasion maybe to do intensely physical things like swimming and softball and volleyball and whatever, and take them to just being outdoors and at one with nature. Do something that is recreative in this beautiful place. I do have some editorial remarks to make about prayer groups, and those can be saved for perhaps after you've been to your first one. But I would like to ask Elizabeth Hewitt to come up and talk about our prayer groups and about a particular option with which you will become acquainted. Yesterday when you arrived, you drew a number out of a little straw hat, and that number is your prayer group number. And then I know that you were handed a little red book like this, and you went back whenever you had time, and you looked on page 19, and you found the location of your prayer group. And so you're all set, you know where to go, 4.30 this afternoon. Then you perhaps glanced over to page 18, and it said at the top of the page, Prayer Preparation Chapel, 4 p.m. You're going to have a wonderful opportunity to be there and be ministered to by Masha. And Masha will be in the chapel at 4 o'clock each day, and you're all invited. Hopefully you'll find time to attend and will be purposeful that you attend. However, everything is not the way it seems. And you look on page 8, and it says daily camp schedule. And in here it says 410 prayer preparation. Scratch that out of your book. It's 4 o'clock. Okay? Now some people may have arrived late and didn't get a prayer group number. This little basket will be put out on the table. Leave the chapel today, pick up your prayer group number. So now you know where your location is, and you know that preparation time is four o'clock and that Marsh will be there each day. Now this is something that is different than has ever happened before. Since you have all this information, at this point, you can suspend all the knowledge you have received from me and disregard your prayer group number if you should happen to the Spirit to participate in a prayer group that will be held in Pine Haven and be led by Del Anderson. And Del's going to come up and tell you about it.
Well, it's said that the spiritual journey is from the head to the heart. And I, I believe that. And uh, we are uh, in trying to follow our heads after we've had conversion experience where our life is redirected. But we find that there's an inner conflict a great deal of the time. Paul found that too. When he started, he said, uh, the good I would do, I do not, and that which I would, wouldn't do, I do. And then later he said, I live, yet not I. Christ liveth in me. And then he said, I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. Well, this is a process of retraining the subconscious mind, the heart. Glenn Clark told his writings about hind's feet and how the goat, the goats that climb the steep mountains would always have to have their hind's feet go in the same groove, the same spot that their four feet went. So this is what we are attempting to do, something that's blessed my life a great deal, in retraining the subconscious, you know, getting them into the alignment and balance with the conscious mind. And uh, so if this type of thing, if you're guided, uh, I invite you to join us in a method that has been very helpful to me of contemplative meditation prayer. This evening when I speak, I'll come back to the place where I left off in the CFO schedule. I want to complete that, but I don't want to do it in four minutes that are left. There's a wonderful exhibit in the Field Museum of Natural History in Chicago, and probably an exhibit that is seen in other places. I just happen to have been fascinated by it the two times that I've been there. There are something like a hundred eggs that are just about to hatch and they're put under a warm light and maybe half of them at any given time just simply aren't moving there's something in there but it's asleep at the moment or exhausted but then you will notice that there's a little bit of ling and some of them are rocking quite violently and there are little cracks, little fissures opening up in the egg. And this represents a tremendous amount of activity on the part of the little creature inside who has no memory of ever having done this before. And so what you have is spasms of tremendous output of of pecking and the desires to liberate oneself, alternating with the despair of this is too much work, 
And what's wrong with spending the rest of my life in a shell anyway? And you will see some shells that are perhaps one-third pecked open, but there's some little bedraggled creature inside who, having exhausted its resources getting that far, has gone back again. And maybe 20 minutes or an hour or two hours will be needed before it comes out. But there are some number of these creatures wandering around, uh, dazed, um, feathers not in the least groomed, um, undoubtedly blinded by the light, but they have necessarily passed from the little world which had for a good reason sheltered them to this point, and they had now on with the business of being what it is that God had intended them to be. So much of this orientation talk seems to be maybe for first-time campers. But I do want us all to understand that in the year that we have just lived, that the shell of the familiar has gathered around us, and it is in many ways a comfortable and comforting little world. And we feel enormously safe and secure. And a part of us says, I never want to leave this. The great call of CFO, and it requires an enormous amount of energy, which we apply and then we let up on, is to crack our way out of this year's shell into the new and larger world to which God calls us. And that is the abiding work of CFO, whether this be our 45th or whatever time it is. And I wish you Godspeed in your pecking your way out of whatever good there is now in order to receive the better that is to come. I would like to ask the Ray Hills to come forward. Are all right. Uh, Jerry and Marjorie, dear friends from, I've been to two California CFOs and they've both been there, and it's nice to repay the compliment by coming to our East Coast. Tell us about this wonderful hour that you have planned for us. Rhythms became for me as a retired Navy captain of 32 years going to his first CFO camp. I stood back and watched these strange things. And within a period of about 15 minutes, I stepped into the water and got involved. And it became a very important growth for me. And when we sang the song, He Sets the Captives Free, I heard He Sets the Captains Free. And I have found great freeing up in rhythms. And I have felt called to rhythms because I've seen so many other men standing on the outside. And I love it, and I enjoy working with kids of all ages, from the white-haired ones like me to the small fry, and I urge you all to try it. I've always loved rhythms. It's lots of fun. Come find out how much fun it is. Uh, we will be right outside.
in the green just beyond the trees uh, and we go through a series of things uh, winding up preparing you for the next event which is creative so we're a stepping stone between the talks and the creatives a time to get in body as part of body mind and spirit and it's not just body there are some things that you'll find very interesting that relate the rest of the program so thank you and i'll see you out there Thank you.